Good evening. Welcome to the Town End Podcast. Oh, and I'm substituting in tonight's Team Ireland Transplant Soccer Podcast. Go on, the boys. Was it a tough game tonight? Was it down to ten? Was it the ten men that killed us? Was it ruthlessness from Rovers? They were due a win. To discuss all what's happened at Oriel Park tonight, I'm going to bring in no no stranger to the guest. I know a football Ireland correspondent from the Aviva as well, Kieran Callum. Welcome to the show, Kieran. <laughs> thanks very much, Gally, and thanks for that introduction. Um, yeah, uh, a tough night by all accounts. Um, here in at Oriel Park, I think was Shamrock Rovers probably due a victory like that? I think yeah. so, but obviously we didn't want a situation where it was against us. Um, I think a lot of the comments that came from the Shamrock Rovers camp this evening was that from from speaking to one or two of the players and that they have felt that they've been unlucky in the first seven to eight games this year. Yeah, and um, a win like this was just kind of, how would you say, was just what they needed, a confidence boost and win. Stephen Bradley left this evening very, very happy and content with the performance. But they know themselves that they've got the squad and they have the budget and everything else that yeah. is meant to be mounting a challenge. So... Needless to say, they're going to start looking as this win as a springboard to climb up that table. The thing, yeah, I echo what you said. The thing, even even if you look at tonight's game, like there's not a lot in it before they score. But no. even if you take them dogs, like for the amount of limited chances we had, we were probably. I know James Rogers said on commentary, we probably slightly edged in the first maybe twenty mm-hmm. minutes. Like for the little game that was in it, we definitely had a little bit more about us. And obviously, look at the sending off. We get into that, but. You know, it's not like we came steaming out the blocks, but we definitely had them, you know, possession-wise and, you know, I, I suppose half-chance-wise, we probably were slightly better, albeit, look, at very minimal, but we probably were slightly better in the first 25 minutes of the game. I thought in terms of um, our passing ability and in terms of movement and possession, I thought we were very strong. I, the one thing that I kind of discovered was that there was, in the first maybe five to six minutes, both teams yeah. were... There was a couple of, how would you say, well, here we are, let's go, kind of tackles, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And um, not saying that anything was let go, but there was a fair amount of 50-50 balls that were challenged very hard. There was that kind of exertion of dominance from both sides. I think the dog settled into the game an awful lot quicker. Um, you know, who knows if that John Martin opportunity, which was the kind of real, the first real kind of chance where we saw that, the potential of Dundalk when they start that real one-pass movement, like, like how clinical they yeah. can be in cutting through a defence, it's it it's fantastic to watch. But it, you're you're looking at the the kind of the big blow that came when we were when we were just kind of sitting down at six o'clock. We were told that Pat Hoban mm. has suffered an injury. Now we don't know the extent of the length of time that he's injured, but himself and Cameron Elliott and. John Martin, now I'm, I i don't want to insult John or anything like that, but I don't, he's not a striker. He's real kind of number yeah. 10, that kind of floating link up player. So he was kind of on a task in which was quite difficult for him to adapt to, but he had that big opportunity and Shamrock always would have seen that as a big, big let off. But I do think that we edged it slightly. I thought there was, they, they discovered fairly quickly that they needed to man mark Rayhan Tullock just that little bit mm. tighter because if you know, as we all know in those first couple of games, if you give him the inch, he's going to take the mile on you. It was very, very uh, evenly matched. And then the goal from Rory Gaffney, which was very well taken because when you see the angle in which he ha- had to yeah. head it full past Shepard and get into the far corner, it was very, very well taken. But it was clinical and Shamrock Rovers were clinical when they needed to be. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably... 
the glaring obvious probably issue not issue the the, the difference between the two tonight like mm-hmm. although we said we started okay I'm, I'm look we, we could probably get straight on look the, the goal's great we could probably get straight on to the red card really because that's probably that really defines the game as most red cards will do but yeah i even wonder even without the red card you know would, would it have made a massive difference I don't. I just you had that. That had that air of Rovers really looking for the win tonight. Like you said, mm-hmm. they badly needed that win tonight for the fans. I've gotten a bit yeah. a lot of abuse on social media over the last couple of weeks. But let's just we get get into the red card. I mean, when you see it in real time, it looks a red card. Yeah. But you know, obviously, we haven't got the VAR in the league of Ireland. We barely have replays and and, and LOI TV half the time. But you know, from from even from your standpoint, you know, was there a lot of talk around the ground? You know, it's a straight red. It's it seemed to be. Their feet at the same height, but because league race has gotten to the ball first, he's automatically mm-hmm. going and giving him the red. I felt personally it was harsh, but I'd like to get your perspective on it. Uh, I think Robbie was frustrated because I think there was a couple of challenges that went in against him. Yeah, he he felt that he was aggrieved. There was at one stage where he would nearly had he was juggling the ball on the ground. You know, he was on his behind and he was trying to get the ball from from away from his feet, and a free kick was given away. And he, I think the referee had a judge that he had handled the ball, which was. I'm sorry, I, I'm not really one for, for criticising her, but I just thought it was a bit of a uh, a harsh decision. I think Robbie felt that he was a little bit aggrieved because there was a couple of challenges placed on him that kind of went away. And then the best way to describe it was a 50-50 ball, but Robbie's foot was high. And unfortunately, yeah. as the phrase goes, the studs were showing. And, you know, the, the way I always look at this was if it was Lee Grace and Robbie Benson, you'd be paying for blood. You'd be looking yeah. for it. You know, and a very, very similar situation. Now, it's his first red card in the League of Ireland, from what, I, from what I, I've been told this evening. Very undercharacteristic of Robbie, um, a senior player who has, um, you know, he, he's an excellent addition to any side. And I thought that this was kind of a game where he was kind of relishing. You could see that he was really, really wanted it. It was a rush of the blood to the head. It was just one of those 50-50 challenges. And unfortunately, the referee, you could just see he took out the card immediately. You just knew that there was no, he didn't consult with the line person. He didn't yeah. consult with anybody else. He knew exactly what his decision was going to be. And it was a red card. Now, from the people around me, I had three people behind me and they had three different opinions. One was saying it was a yellow. Another was saying that it was no way it was a red. And one was saying it was a definite red. So it's all about interpretations. My interpretation was foot was high. Boots were, uh, unfortunately, studs were showing. He caught the player the rules of the game dictate that it's a red card. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, it is one of them that we kind of, I think that's going to be our talking point tonight, regardless of the result and performance. That is one that, that that's the issue that's that's going to be kind mm-hmm. of come to a head tonight. Just on the on the man of the match pizza, folks, I think we'll go with, instead of the man of the match pizza tonight, I think we'll have to go with best description of, of, that wins uh, that wins our pizza tonight. <laughs> I'm not sure how many um, man of the match awards we're going to best give away. Best catchphrase, I think, would be we the best. Give the, be best like, uh, the best description of the game tonight wins our pizza competition. Um, so look, to, to bring in an, an, another expert like yourself, Keon, we're going to bring in a well-known journalist, local journalist, and media football creator, content creator, Nile Lurie. <laughs> Nile, we're just, we've, we've, we, we kind of covered the first couple of, not that there was a, a lot happening in the early stages of the match, we did feel kind of that the dog was maybe slightly better, but we've kind of, we've gone on straight to the red card, which Keon just been talking about the red card, from your own point of view, I felt it was harsh and you know, we've got the letters of the law say it is a red card, but just from your own perspective, what are we thinking? Well, first of all, Andrew, thanks for that very generous introduction. <laughs> um, I think you might be in the very, you're definitely in the minority there with that opinion. <laughs> but um, 
I think you're great, Niall. Don't worry. Oh, cheers, cheers, Kieran. So, um, <laughs> I think uh, that's two in the fan club. So, I think, um, I think, yeah, just on the red card. I mean, I just caught the tail end of what Kieran was saying there. I mean, like my initial reaction, um, you know, I thought my initial reaction when the challenge went in was more so he might be in a spot of trouble here. Um, yeah. Robbie Benson, he's not a, as Kieran referenced. He's not a you know, a, a traditionally aggressive player, but um, I had the benefit of kind of seeing it back a couple of times um, on the TV stream. And I think, um, look, I, I can see why the referee, Arnold Hunter, probably reached for the red. Just, but I mean, I, I am of the opinion that it's quite harsh. I mean, like at that early in the game, I think, mm. and quite interestingly, we've just kind of got back from... Um, from uh, Stephen O'Donnell's press briefing. And the interesting takeaway from, from his reaction to it is that Stephen Bradley allegedly doesn't think it was a red card either. Right. So, that's like, um, so that's based on what Stephen O'Donnell just told us. So, I mean, um, yeah. look, Stephen was obviously very disappointed. He, he certainly felt as though the referee didn't need to make that decision so early in the game. I personally was of the belief that it was harsh. The people around me in the main stand were certainly of the belief that it was quite harsh. It absolutely sort of, you know, it nearly kills the game stone dead yeah. for them dog yeah. at that point, even though, because I thought like, you know, obviously we've shipped the goal after 22 minutes, you know, but I think before that we were actually, you know, we, we, we were playing okay without playing brilliantly, if yeah. that makes sense. But I mean, but even at 1-0 down, you're thinking, look, there's definitely a route back into this game for them, though, because, you know, you'd be you'd be okay to think that, I suppose. But the red card, you know, it, it was almost like he, he nearly couldn't wait to get the red card out from where I was. It was, um, there wasn't, I know there was obviously a, a reaction from the Shamrock Rovers bench, given that it was in front of the dugout, but there wasn't a major, you know, um, appeal from the players themselves to dish out a red card or, or anything mm. like that. So, I, I mean, like, yes, it, has he gone in? He has. Like, um, is it as is it as high as um, other red cards? Possibly not. Um, but that was Stephen O'Donnell's two cents on it, mm. and he was quite ang- he was quite angry and you know obviously irritated um, in a, in his press briefing there. Um, and obviously, he he rec- he says that to us at least that um, Stephen Bradley also felt that the decision was somewhat harsh. So make of that what you will. It's not every day you, you, you kind of hear yeah, that in yeah. in press briefings. So I, I do, I think it kind of ver- backs up maybe, I think that early in the game would, would have been kind of su- yeah. sufficient, would have been, look, it is a, it's a late challenge. There's no question about it. I think that early in the game, look, I'm not a referee, obviously, but I mean, that early in the game, I think, you know, maybe, look, a yellow card might be sufficient. Another one of them and you're off kind of job might have you know because i do think it kind of it did kill the game as a spectacle in my opinion the dog were never really getting back into it after that and you know um i just think you know in my opinion a yellow card would have been quite sufficient there Niall, just just on the just on the 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 press briefing there i hope you're not i hope i'm not maybe revealing too much has there been even discussions and i know it's probably very early to think about it, but has there been discussions in relation to are they going to appeal the red card? Was there even was that question even asked? Yeah, it was. Jerry Malone um, asked that question in the press briefing. Um, Jerry's a good man for a question, as we know. Yeah, and, Jerry, yeah, no bother, um, Jerry. Yeah, 
And um, so, yeah, um, O'Donnell quite instantly said, yes, they will be appealing it. Um, yeah. they, would, they will be appealing the red card. How that, how far that appeal goes, whether they're successful in that is a, is another matter, I suppose, Kieran. But yeah, that um, that 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 is that that was the um, the, the response to that question is that the club will be appealing the red card, and I suppose we have to wait and see now where that one goes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of them like you would said Neil quickly there that the, the straight away the rev because he's seen the challenge and he, he's probably heard a bit of an impact. He's just automatically gone because. He's, he's obviously given obviously you don't have a lot of time in the game of football. He hasn't he hasn't given himself really that much time to think. No. No. I think he's just automatically. But like in fairness, to the bench. Where... I don't remember him emptying the bench complaining, I don't. No. But I think even from oh, his vantage point, he would have had the fourth official who would have had how yes. to say, the, the actual line of sight. Um I do think there was one or two players blocking him. And um then he had his line he had his lines person as well. But what I noticed kind of was that he took a step back. He wasn't being, as you said, he yeah. wasn't being surrounded necessarily by the Rovers yeah. players. But then he he was obviously taking the red card. They obviously saw that and went, oh yeah, we know what's coming. So there's no need for the argument. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's yeah, no, it, it's a hard, like, and it, it's a harsh, it's it's not a harsh, it's a hard one to look at because like you said, Kieran, because you're seeing this, you said there at the start of the show, if you go by the letters of the game, it, it, it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a red and look at we're obviously biased. If it's a rover's red card, we'll probably sit here all and say, "Oh, it's a stone wall. You should have a two red cards." But it's <laughs> and that's you know, it's it's a difficult one to take. Probably more because of the result. I mean, look at yeah. as Neil had said, it completely kills the game. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't an end to end game to start with, but I mean, whatever chance it had of getting up and going, I mean, mm-hmm. it really there was absolutely zero chance. And in fairness, look, at, we'll get into the second half as well later on with Steph. It's just in the He's, he's in from his uh, drive-through pizza or drive-through whatever he had. Steph, welcome to the show. Um, we're just in the red car incident with the game. It's um, like Niall had said. It's not. It hasn't killed an exciting game, but it, it's any chance of it really taking off for us anyway. Kind of for neutral even watching it, it really, really killed its own day, didn't it? Yeah, the competitiveness of it yeah. sort of went out the window. Then um, the more space you give. Uh, the likes of Jack Bone, like he he even dropped so deep that he was picking the ball in the sixth position, and he just freed him at the park. Really, we couldn't really get near him, and then they were able to build attacks. Um, I was very impressed with Ferruja. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I know he's had his his injury troubles from before, but uh, he was different level there tonight. I know there was a bit of talk coming off the back end of last season, how good he was doing. And, you know, that's the first time I've seen him really, really impress me, which was unfortunate. I came against us tonight. <laughs> um, but look, the, the front three just, I thought, terrorised us, give us awful trouble. Um, Kenny was, uh, look, he's bags of talent. He's serious pace. He can shift the ball and he seems to be clever because he was dragging Williams out. He span him. Williams got a got the yellow card for pulling him back, and, and lucky was probably going to be through one on one with goal. Um, if he hadn't have done that to get to get the early yellow, but uh, I thought they were so clever. Like even Gaffney, like he was pulling out, he was taking up positions inside. Davies didn't know where to go with him, leave the space, and look, I think Kevin is very clever as well. And um, he holds on to the ball. His distribution and stuff like that is excellent. He never seems to give give the ball away. He's sort of like a consistent 
Mr. Consistency for them, really. Like, and it's probably something they've sort of, I won't say they've missed uh, last season, but with him being out injured as well, I think he, he's, a, he's a big player for them, even though, like, you know, he probably wouldn't be the first three or four players that be mentioned when you talk about Rovers as a, as a mm. team, like, you know, but. Like you said, just going back to the sending off, I'm obviously down the town end section and looking up to the right, and there was umbrellas and all sorts in front of me. But um, from my first instincts, when I seen it happening, I didn't actually see the tackle. I just seen Robbie flying in, and I was thinking, he's in big trouble here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sent off. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe the ref didn't just take a few seconds to make us make his mind up. I think he's seen it and just goes, This is a red straight away. Yeah. And then yeah. he gives himself the chance to go, you know, who the player is, it's Robbie Benson. It's not like a someone it's that's not Stephen Cavity. It's not a Stephen Cavity <laughs> trying to fucking take a chance that he doesn't get the red card. But look, you know, Benson's probably one of the most clever players on the park. Like do you know what I mean? And and I think Kieran, I was just listening before he jumped on, I think Kieran mentioned he was sort of getting frustrated about mm-hmm. uh, the different things going his way. And I think it, I think he might have held the ball in his feet that got the got yeah. foul against him. Um and look it looked like it looked like a blatant foul before he was uh, before he was on the ground and stuff like that. So look I think the referee was, was extremely poor. Um I think some of the decisions the Rovers players were sort of looking at each other going, Jesus, we've got another decision here. Like, mm-hmm. where, where I was looking at it, some of the boys were looking at each other going, how's he give us another free here? Um, he, all the 50-50 seemed to go for them, or he just, if it was a foul on us, he seemed to play on. And, you know, it was getting, I'd say the players were frustrated as well as, well as the fans. Like, so, um, but yeah, look, it totally descending off. Uh, changes the whole dynamic of the game. It gives them more space. They can they can shift the ball out wide, um, because you're trying to be compact and don't let them through the middle. But like they said, like that, like Ferruja was was terrorizingly. Like I, I I always say, luckily he's a steady player. You don't see many players taking him to the cleaners, but um, he was out at the laundry tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and just, even, I was just actually, I was I was just when you said something there. Even if you take, for me, it wasn't even the goals that we that we conceded. If you take the second goal, you know, there's there's argument, there's a nudge on on. Uh, I think it's John Martin goes in injured right. from a corner. But yeah. even after that, we get a free kick. Now, not to skip over the goal, but we get a free kick a couple of minutes later, maybe thirty odd minutes. And if Greg Slog had taken it, and it it's such a weak free kick, and it kind of bounces yeah. and scuffles away from it. I think it might Ferrugia might take it off his feet. And they kind of run down the field. It could have been a trainer. that Rory Gaffney's missed an absolute set out. You know, yeah. Shep, Shep's come out. Yeah. It just looked at that stage, we even looked like my this game is gone. You know, it just kind of felt like that, not lacking energy, it just, but it was just kind of it's just kind of luck. We kind of had enough here. Do you know what kind of way? I think, yeah, I, I think in terms just in relation to that, Andrew, I think like you can go down to 10 players in a match. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, and I don't want to say like we lost the game tonight because we got a player sent off. I don't think that's necessarily the case at all either. I think, you know, there was a lot of, you know, poor play even after that. I mean, like, there's no excuse for, you know, misplaced passes left, right and centre, which was a feature of the night. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky, like we were lucky like, in that instance with um, Gaffney, for example. Yeah. Caught, caught in the counter constantly. There was another one in the second half where Mali, I think Connor Mali just completely misplaces a pass. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and even, the, you know, there's even one with Andy Boyle. Like, yeah. I, I know that Andy Boyle has had a very, very good season and, and stuff like that, but his um, headed cleared went straight into Richie Tell. Richie Tell had his first time on the volley. Yeah. And uh, Shepard kind of misplaced his foot and pushed it away for a corner. You know, it's it's kind of like who was who was Boyle caught? Who was that? You know, necessarily who was Boyle heading that to? Now, yeah. listen, yeah. I'm 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 a huge fan of Andy. Everyone knows that, but it's just like as as um, as Nia was saying, it was just those kind of small little incidences that that kind of got us into trouble a little bit. And in, I know that one of the one of the staff was Shamrock Rovers speaking to the team, and he said, "Listen, he said if if, if we were really on form tonight, that could have been in six, seven, or eight tonight." Yeah. And yeah. It, that that wouldn't that would have been a really really harsh night for Dundalk if it was a case that you know we would have conceded more and had the man sent off. I think I think if you take if you take the Gaffney chance you're talking about from the breakaway, you take the early one from Kenny. Which he flashed across, it might have just even nicked the post or somebody just like those three or four more in that first half, even. And, and you could have been looking at a four or five mil half time scoreline. Mm-hmm. You know, it was getting worrying at, at certain stages. Like, even even if you are, I know probably wouldn't be in the DNA of getting a man sent off and just, you know, shutting up shop, even, even for a certain period of time and be more compact. But we were wide open and they were. Look, yeah. Rovers hadn't won a game all season, and the fear factor coming into it was they're going to bash somebody at some stage. And I know, I know that the sending off lends a big hand to that. And look, those uh, I think Donald Hanks have been sending me a few things on uh, predicted goals, and uh, Keith Dunn had actually sent me a league table on predicted points. And believe it or not, Rovers on predicted points was actually top top of the league. So, you know, they were underperforming and you'll think it's only a matter of time before they get mm-hmm. the first win and they'll probably win win well against somebody and you were just hoping it'd be next week instead of this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, again I, I think this both I think the both yeah, at home next yeah, week. Right, yeah. Do you know, I was thinking, look, me. I, I look. I predicted a nil nil. I thought both teams might be a bit cagey, set settle in, and just you know settle for a point nearly. Um, yeah, that's much for thinking there, stuff. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, it is. Yeah. So, but look, you know, they, look, look. Even when you seen the players that was coming off the bench there, um, to just get minutes, like Dylan Watts was one of the best players in the league last year. Or was it even even possibly the season before that? Um, I think he had the most assists um the previous season and and things like that. He's just coming on to get minutes because Graham Burke. So yeah. Do you know what I mean? So Graham Burke comes on and scores and instantly yeah. Aaron Green as well. Uh, well he's he's shite. Our Aaron <laughs> Green is one of those players. I I, I I don't get it. I look at he's had a fantastic career, but I hate to see him come, but I hate any time we played it. I absolutely him and Killian Brennan over the years. They were two players. I just hate to see coming off the bench. I don't know what it is about him, but uh, uh, look, uh, look, it's it's like like you know we're talking about little issues there, and you know even coming up the hand, like you'd mentioned Steph, that you know we mentioned the runaway, but even before half time, like talking about four or five, even Johnny Kenny had a chance before half time when Williams is mm-hmm. blocked. Yeah, like that could have that could have went anywhere, like. 
we de- 100% could have been down 5 nil at half time. That's the frightening thing. I mean, look, I know we're down to 10 and Stevie's got a way of playing. And But like, I, I'd have to agree with you, Steph. It's, it's rare we agree on anything, Steph, really. But you, know, you, you don't want to shut up shop, but they just seem to, yeah. they never seem to have a plan B. They never, it was like they never said, what if we go down to 10 men? What do we do? And it, it never seemed to really go. And having said that, half time, we got in, they got in at half time. They probably got absolutely hockeyed out of it at half time. I know, look, they're down to 10 men, but they haven't really played well. But I thought the second half, when we came into the second half, for the first couple of minutes, I, I thought we, were, we played really well. They went for it. Well, yeah. albeit not creating a lot, but we seem to yeah. be stuck in a little bit more. There seems to be right lads. We were man doing here. There's certainly, for this. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there certainly seemed to be a feeling yeah. after half time that, you know, we can get ourselves back into this game. Like, yeah. And that's, I just want to pick up on something Stefan mentioned there as well. I mean, like, Rovers, I know it sounds probably silly because they've, they've won the game 4 0. And, but it could have been a lot more. Like, I, I don't think tonight was a case of Shamrock Rovers being, you know, exhilarating or anything yeah. like that. I, I think, like, you know, there, there's still a lot of paper over the cracks for them, you feel, in some respects. I mean, like, the game was nearly gift, gift wrapped to them. And, like, take the four goals, for example. Look at the four goals from an individual point of view. Like, they're four mm. very avoidable goals. Absolutely. Like, yeah. um, even with 10 players on the pitch. I mean, the first one, obviously, you know, we, or sorry, the second one, um, when we had the 10 players, you know, we, if it's a corner comes in, we don't clear our lines. Um, you know, the towel cross um, for this third one, I mean, it's completely free. The fourth one, um, you know, com- completely unmarked. Johnny Kenny, sorry for the towel one was or the towel cross was completely unmarked. Yeah, and yeah. um, like had had the freedom of Oriel. I mean, like those and things. It wasn't, it wasn't even that he was unmarked. Now. He like, he, like he could have took a touch. Like I mean, he seemed to get away yeah. from you know, like when he was marked, there was nobody, there was no kind of threat to him of not getting that ball. He was always yeah. getting the ball. It came in, and it wasn't even it was a it was a chip cross. It wasn't like a drilled cross. It wasn't like a Darren Meaning cross. I suppose. Yeah. What about? favorite comments in here but it just seemed to be a floated cross and they're just he was able to just get it he, he didn't even have to lift himself off the ground he could have just knocked it in he actually could have probably just tuck it down and finish it yeah and it's a great finish but it's it's little things like that and like you had said there's not a really top class goal yes box finish is great but i mean it's zipped across look it's you kind of start nitpicking obviously look we're disappointed. A, it is and in fairness it, it is a great finish but i mean it's still a very it's a very simple goal yeah. it's a very avoidable yeah. goal i mean it's 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 very kind of one route in one respect, and that's where all Rovers joy came from tonight. I mean, yeah. even the first one before we got the player set, before um, Benson got sent off. I mean, it's you know, it's a ball into the box from Cleary. He's got all the time in the world, yeah, to put that ball into the box before anyone's closing down. And then the back posts, you know, you don't need to give Rory Gaffney too much of an invitation, no, and um, put that away. And he gets, and even like Archie Davis, you know, I thought for that goal, he was very sort of static. Do you know what I mean? It, it was almost like. It almost happened in slow motion that first goal. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Heard the ball comes in from Cleary, and you, know, you see Gaffney coming in, and Davis momentarily just sort of lapses, and suddenly you know Gaffney's in front of you, and he's putting the ball into the net. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that will frustrate Stephen O'Donnell more, I think, on reflection, as opposed to the red card itself, which obviously mm-hmm. was very annoying in in its own right. But I mean, there was so much sort of it was it was a poor poor performance overall from Dundalk. Um, barring spells maybe where we looked like we might get back into the game but I mean you have to look at it as well I think you know Ward's keep Ward's effort um, with two minutes to play when I think Alan Mannis made a double save that was our only actual efforts on target yeah. throughout the whole game yes. I'm up to the correction on that but from yeah, what I've recorded yeah, no, no, it's true. yeah from what I've recorded that's um, what I have and I mean 
even with ten players, you know, against a Rovers team that have been that have been wounded, um, in the last six seven weeks. I mean, it, it does it does have a feeling of you know sort of tra- uh, back to the drawing board um, for the dock now. And I mean, obviously, look, if we win this game tonight, it's a much different conversation, and we're talking about maybe a title charge and all this type of stuff. But I mean, look, Sligo Sligo game probably can't come quick enough. Um, in that in that respect, I mean, it it, it is definitely dust ourselves down and. Get back on, get back on the bike as quick as possible because they want to get this out of their minds very, very quickly. Because it wasn't the red card aside. You can look at the red card. Maybe I know there was a penalty appeal as well. Different things might didn't go in our favor tonight, but you can't really heighten the fact that you know it wasn't. It, it was a poor, poor performance, and I think we made Rovers, you know, probably look a lot better than where they're at at the moment. And um, in spite of all the good players they have on paper, they haven't been playing well this season, mm. and we probably made them look a lot better tonight. And I still felt, you know, even with the reduction, I still felt, you know, and we kind of referenced the start of the second half there. I, I, I still felt that maybe they're there for the taking. But look, it's um, it's definitely a night, a night to forget for sure. I'm yeah, very I'm, interested, John. Just to, <laughs> know. Just, to, just to clarify that, Flo. Yeah, no, um, no. Um, Niall, just to pick on a couple of things that you just said there. Like, I mean, I was kind of very surprised that at certain stages during Rover's phases of attacking play that they were given an awful lot of freedom to even tee kind of crosses or passes on the edge of the area. There was even the, the build-up for the first goal. Like, I don't know who sent the cross to the back post, but, like, he he had an opportunity to take the ball down and cross it, like, to that back post position. Yeah. Like, if you're if you're a defender, you know, like Stefan will tell you because you know world class defenders like Stefan will know like you just boot it to the back to the corner, you put it into the you put it into Rosie, you do whatever you can in order to get rid of that attack and threat. You don't stand off these players. Like I know there's always the kind of thing of conceding the penalty and you know handballs and one thing or another, but Jesus, like at least try and block the attempt at the cross in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you know, like and as you said for the third goal for Richie Tells, like Richie Tell had all the freedom in the world to to cross it in to Johnny Kenny who pulled away from Rosier. Like Rosier should have been like best way I can describe this. I remember last year Pat Holman and Mark Connolly were absolutely baying at each other in a game against you know between Derry and Dundalk. But that's really what the Dundalk centre back should have been doing. They should have been like absolutely frustrating the living daylights of the Rovers from three, sticking on top of them, hanging out of them almost. Mm. Like you don't give players like Johnny Kenny and Neil Ferrugia and that the freedom of, of the ground. They're just going to exploit you. And that's exactly kind of what happened in phases of play this evening. And I think Rovers now kind of had like that, that scoreline was, was very confidence boosting for them, but that's going to be a springboard for them big time going into the next couple of games. But not only that, you could see that, the international break kind of came at a good time for them. They were able to reset things. They were able to get the little niggles that they might have had. And we went into that game without Cameron Elliott, without Patrick Colvin. Like, they're two big losses for the front line for Dundalk. And, um, you know, John Martin had a kind of a bit of thankless task at times. And, you know, we were a little bit toothless, I think. And that's, that's just, you know, that's not a slide on anybody that was playing this evening. We were just that that little bit of spearhead that we needed up front from the likes of Patrick Hooven, like we just didn't have it tonight, and unfortunately, and, you know, he does lead from the front, and that was just a big turning point before we even kicked the ball. I think uh, one of the things I said a few weeks ago was that I felt that 
we might struggle for goals in this side. I know we had a lot of attacking players, but even if you if you go back to the like the draw of the game, we had we didn't really have many uh, attempts on target. You go back to the Pats game where we won really well. I think every shot on target we had went in. So, like, do you know, it's not like we're creating chance after chance after chance. Like you said, the John Martin one was a great move. We cut him open, but he blazes it over. And then apart, aside from that, you've you've the ward shot, which turns into a double chance. And obviously, it's it's it looked like a smashing save from Manus from. Uh, from where I was standing, mm-hmm. and I haven't watched any replays back. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. But like, it's not like you can say the sending off again. We can go back to that, but like, it's not. We're not creating bags and bags of chances, which is which is a massive worry going going forward. Like, um, and even touching back on the first one, like you you try and Kieran said, you try and cut off the cross because we know it's a mismatch. Gaffney against uh, Davies is a total mismatch. Like he, Gaffney's lethal in the air. He's big. He's he attacks a ball well. Do you know? And he's actually he's screaming for a, for about he screams for about twice or three times, mm. and and picks up a great position and it's a great ball. And from the directed in from there, it's a smashing header. But okay, try and if 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 it's a mismatch like that, you cut off the supply. It just seemed like it was a little bit too easy for them. To pick out the passes, even at that stage when we when we did have eleven, so look, it totally totally galvanizes them, and if Fenton's gonna kickstart their season, it's it's a four 0 win against us and Oriel. Like you know, there's no point in sugarcoating it. I think a lot of like even even when Wardy came on there, he was trying to get things going. Hmm. He did a couple of nice one twos with with uh, Ryan that created the chance and stuff like that. Like you know, boys that. In games like that, that they come on, and I don't want to say like players coming in from outside the league and don't really get the whole Rovers uh, rivalry yet. But the likes of Wardy, he knows what it's all about. We'll give you a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, we'll try and do the right things if you if you want to keep the ball on. So I was half thinking, do you know, we throw him in at half time. Look, maybe Stevie thought, look for. We're still in a here or two nil down, even though we're down a man. If we can nick one, you know, we might be in for a grandstand finish or a draw or something. But look, I thought, I thought he came on a bit late. And look, at that stage, the game was well up. That was a good point, actually. I mean, like, I, I felt that myself, actually, even at the game. I felt like we kind of waited, you know, an unusually long time to make a substitution, actually, considering the circumstances. Um, yeah, it's it was, crazy. was it. Was it seven? Was it close to seventy minutes? Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was almost. It was almost Kenny esque. Kenny used to do the same. <laughs> yeah. Now, nine things out of yeah. ten, you'd only be one nil down. But yeah, Kenny used to That's have true. that as well. But like, I did feel like at that point, you know, obviously two nil down, down to ten players against the defending champions. Um, you know, I mean, like the, the game plan surely at that point would have been, obviously, first and foremost, keep ourselves in the game. If yeah. we can nick a goal before, um, maybe the seventy minute mark, we'll make it a very uncomfortable. Um, last period for Rovers, but I mean, like it just never really, it just never really materialised. I mean, we never really looked like, you know, barring maybe that five minute spell, ten minute spell after half time where we kind of, we were kind of jeered up a wee bit. We never really looked like getting ourselves back into it at any real point. And Rovers kind of, and like Rovers didn't create much in the second half, you know, barring the goals. 
the couple of goals that they got. I mean, Rovers weren't. This wasn't the case of Rovers, you know, running riot and playing through us every and mm-hmm. every given opportunity. I mean, the, the goals we we give away were very sort of direct and sort of you know yeah. very very preventable. Um, and it was kind of similar to was it one of the games I want to say maybe the three 0 in Tala last year. It was kind of similar to that. Like and they kind of came down to the flanks and they were just mm. putting, you know what I mean. It just it was almost reminiscent of that. Like and I mean. The disappointing element of that is, you know, it did take us up until you know eighty-eight minutes to kind of get an effort on target. Look, we can talk about games, you know, turning points, you know, that period between John Martin's chance, um, and then the red card came shortly after that. You know, um, it's a very different game. Do you know what I mean? It can be, it could be a very, very different game. You know, I, I did feel in the build-up to this game that Shamrock Rovers were certainly there for the take, and I, I actually, I fancied us to maybe get a result here tonight, but, um. And, you know, in the first 20 minutes, I thought we were okay. Um, didn't create anything, but we were okay. We weren't really giving too much away either. Um, and then we had we could obviously fall behind through an English mm. goal. But then that big chance, that was actually a lovely bit of play from, I think it was um, yes. Mali and Benson, I think it was. And, um, you know, John Martin, you know, it, it was a difficult night for him. Um, you know, it was kind of isolated after the red card. That's a big chance for him to get a goal. Unfortunately, um, he blazes it, blazes it over the top, and um, probably looks easier from where I am than it actually is, no doubt. But you know, if that goes in, it could be a very different game. Maybe the red card never happens, and maybe we're all sitting, yeah. you know, you know, talking about you know a title charge. But look, it, it was just <laughs> uh, you know, it was just um, just poor, 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 poor all around after that. Yeah, yeah, I. I said I said to Kieran just just when we start. I don't I don't think you're in for that. But now, like even even red card aside, even if Robbie Benson stays in the field, and like we talked about, Steph had mentioned Rovers were kind of just you know we all kind of mentioned there were excellent without being excellent, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Would Benson have staying on the field made a difference to the way Rovers had still had kind of not steamrolled us, but found it really easy to get like you had mentioned the goals. It was so simple. You know, you know, with Robbie Benson being on the field made a massive difference to how we played. I, I, I just don't know. I think it was just yeah, one of those before. I think, um, I think John Flanagan, John Flanagan put in a good point there that like the Rovers haven't been getting the results that they would have wanted for the start of the season. But make no mistake about it, like you, you only have to look at the squad. They are a very, very good side. I think there was just games they hadn't really gotten the rub of the green and. I know myself and Niall were, were, were at a press conference last week with Stephen O'Donnell and we were trying to even kind of look at the similarities. Was that, that little bit of post-European fatigue coming in to this season from this from this squad? And even though the age profile of the players are slightly older, are much older than, than the squad that Dundalk had in 2017, yeah. um, he didn't dwell on it too much, but there would have been that kind of discussion because they had played so many games at the tail end of last season. Was there that kind of slow start of their season due to the fact that they didn't have as long of a, a post-season you know, as as other clubs would have. I've just seen John Flanagan's thing there, you know, two red cards and eight goals conceded by Dundalk in the last two games. So mm. it's 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 not good, but um you know, sure, maybe it just took that little bit longer for Sean McGrovish to get their season started. Maybe that's the case and you know, where they drew a big result and they and they got it today. Yeah. We we had commented I'm absolutely milking this team Ireland on the bottom, by the way, if any of the lads are watching in the country <laughs> If you know, 
Keon, you'd mentioned very early on, I, I, it was actually Neil, I think it was around half, six, quarter, seven, when I realised Pat Hoobin wasn't getting into the game. Yeah. Are we looking at someone that is all, like, obviously we talk about Pat Hoobin all the time and the impact he has, but we're such a different team when he's not playing. I think it, it's, I, people say it all the time, but I know, look, we've had a poor night at the, at the, at the, at Oriel tonight, but he really makes them tick, doesn't he? Like, he allows for that midfielder to have a poor game because he can drop in so deep. You know, it's 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 frightening how much how much difference he makes when he's off. Considering he's a striker, it's such another level, isn't it? Like when he's out of the team, obviously we talked with John Martin. It's not his normal role, in the number nine position, but no. there's just such a world of difference. And um, that, that's the really worrying thing that, like Steph had mentioned, we you know we were laid up front. We might get a few yeah. many goals this season. And, but like, geez, this, when Pat Hoobin's not playing, it's this it's this happened this happened last season as well. You know, yeah. Pat, Patrick obviously yeah. got injured. And, you know, I suppose his injury more or less coincided with us kind of, you know, the whole thing falling apart last season. Do you know what I mean? And look, we haven't really, like, John Martin's not really a centre forward. You know what I mean? Like, when he he played for Waterford, you know, I I remember him causing us awful problems playing for Waterford, but that was as a wing player. Do you know what I mean? Um, You know what I'm saying? Like, I think... Like it, it is one of those things. I mean, like we, we do struggle without Pat Hoban, and there's no question about that. Mm. Um, but the, but the, but the reality is there's there's not really uh, you know a lot of you know centre forwards you can bring in as as a backup who are going to be of the same quality. Yeah. So when Pat Hoban's yeah. not playing, you know that you're you're going to feel that in more ways than what, not only for his goals scored, but also just that sort of that just drive and that sort of you know. Do, do you, he, he has that natural motivation for players. Doesn't just he? People stressed. watch him and say, "Look, yeah, we just, up to this level." Yeah, ballsy, yeah. ballsy performances, getting stuck in. Do you know what I mean? That's Pat Hoban in a nutshell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just not, not, not taking any nonsense from defenders. Do you know what I mean? That's he's actually a dying breed in terms of centre forwards. Like you know, he mm-hmm. is, and we should be lucky to have him. But it's funny we, we saw David McMillan there tonight. You know what I mean? Um, as an observer, I mean like. You know, having that, having someone like a Hoban McMillan, you know, kind of changing all the time. You know, what I mean, like, it's it's very hard to find backup strikers who are at yeah. that level. Absolutely, so you know very what hard I mean. To find uh, strikers at ilk anyway. Like, yeah, in general, you know, yeah. every I mean, every season there's this description of you know who's the Pat Hoban on the Rovers, Bows, whatever team it may be. Yeah. Like, the, there simply isn't one like that old no. school. Mm-hmm player that that pat is that leading the line with aggression and just blunt force trauma so to speak on defenders like like yeah. they are a dying breed because yeah like how many times has he pulled us out of games and stuff like that and 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 led the line it's it's instrumental like you know he's about he will break the record this year like there's no question of it but um, you know, Niles just hit it on, nailed it on the head. Like we lost last year, Mark Connolly and Pat Hoban in and around the same time. Mm-hmm. That started when the dip in our, in our form, and it just goes to show you, like you know how influential, you know Pat is on that side. You know, Mark was influential in the back, but Pat yeah. is more, if anything. Mm. And I think he, he, yeah. he perfectly fits in, obviously, the way Stevie plays because it, it, it's almost built around him. Which is normally you'd, you'd assume that an attacking player or like a, a midfielder would be would it be built around him. But God, like it's it's only I'm not going, look. I know it's Rovers and I know it's a bad defeat, but I don't think we've been overly kind of. I, I and I hope we don't have to be over reliant on him because that's what's going. That's what it looks like is going to happen. We're going to be 
Like if he's missing, we don't know what the injury is. I don't know if we know. I, I don't think Nile probably hear anything yourself after it's, the game. But... It's it's a muscle injury, um, right? According to Stephen. So I mean, like he said, look, he reckons it's not too serious. Um, yeah. But look, we don't really know. Will he playing? Will he play against Sligo next week? Um, I'd say he's 50-50 based on what Stephen was saying. Yeah. Play against Sligo next week. So I suppose we have to wait and see in that one. I mean, like, and even when you're getting him back, is he going to be um, fully there? So like. He didn't really give away too much about the extent of the muscle injury. Actually, is um, is it a hamstring or whatever? Probably is a hamstring. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it really depends on the extent of that. What we do kind of know from last season and now is we we really can't afford to be without Patrick Hoban hmm. for a prolonged period of time because you know I, I I kind of feel I feel for John Martin tonight and in other games. I mean, it's not necessarily what he was brought in to do. He was nearly like a third option tonight because you know Cammy Elliott's also got a muscle injury, um, and didn't feature tonight, you know. Um, but we probably haven't seen the best of him anyway, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of you know competitive action, like so. Um, and he's very new to the league as well, so it probably wouldn't be fair to expect him to start pumping in Hoban numbers in terms of goals as well, like anyway. So I mean, like yeah, I, I do feel like there is a reliance, possibly an over reliance on Pat Hoban at the moment. I mean, like, um. And I think I don't know, like I don't know if tonight's even an example of that. I think like the yeah, red I think card, it's one of those. It's one the, of those yeah, nights like, that no matter what would have went. Yeah, it's one. Of I think so. Yeah, I think the red card is not the stuff and confidence wise out of the team by the looks of it. Um, and we never really looked like. I don't even think the red card is the reason we lost tonight. I think we genuinely. No. I think going back to what you said, Andrew. I think Benson stays on the pitch ninety minutes. We're probably still losing that game yeah. based on what we saw, just in terms of individual mistakes and lapses and. The kind of goals we can see this i mean it doesn't matter how many players are on the pitch you, you're you're going to lose a game i know um, i know there's no chances i know this is a big what if but like if what if hoping was having that chance what, what do you think the percentage is he scores it that's it totally different <laughs> yeah even look if he is on the pitch and we go down to ten men. Like he's the he's the outfall. He wins us the free kicks to get us up mm-hmm. the pitch. Um, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So look, it's we're a totally different side. I think you just popped up a comment from Flano there saying that you know the other options are players that are more runners than yeah. Players that are going to be big and strong and hold up a ball and link the play and can drop in to draw out defenders, which allows the runners then to come in behind. And, you know, it just t- totally changes the dynamic of the team. So, uh, look, he's a massive loss. And then, Niall, you've mentioned, you know, you're in a catch 22. That you're, you, like, how do you. How do you entice a striker of similar quality to come in and say, well, yeah. look, yeah, you know, you you might get a chance if if Pat is injured or suspended. Um, you're not going to get somebody of that quality. So look, unless yeah, look, I don't know unless you get an up and coming player is just going to come into the league like we've we've seen loan players come in before. But look, it's not going to really work out that like that either. So it's not sustainable anyway. Do you know what yeah. I mean? The loans, and, you know, it's, and yeah. look, we've, we've seen some of the better strikers go out of the league in the last season or so. Like Keena was was yeah. impressive last season. He's gone 
I think a lot of the Brexit stuff sort of had that where like Mandrew's gone, not not saying he would ever came to us, but like some of the better strikers in the league have, have departed, like so do you know what to you know, you really need to be on your ball with recruitment to, to come up with someone sell them the dream of, you know, being the best backup striker in the league. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. you need to sell it, sell it in the terms that you're gonna be playing European football and that there is going to be around that time there will be scrub rotation and there will be games that will need to be played. So, you know, it is something that that, that does need to be explored, you know, mm. by by those up in, in Oriel Park that you know, it's by no coincidence that like and I, I hope I'm not coming across as insulting, but age profile of certain players is now leading to injuries. So we now do need to start looking at, you know, players like that are going to come in as a not a ready-made replacement, but definitely an option for Dundalk if in the inevitability that certain players like Robbie Benson, like Pat Hoban, you know, do get injured, that there is like for like to, to come in. Mm. Yeah, I know. And in theory, it's easy for us talking, like, but I, I suppose yeah. Yeah. Brian Garland will be, will be the man for the, for the job there. So we'll have yeah. to... Uh, Pearl Fenton and we can come up with the goods. Lads, just just on, um, I actually I, I thought of the question when Niall had mentioned both muscle injuries and just a comment there from Roland was just added kind of to the question. You know, Nathan Shepard, it's a good comment. He's been down kind of unopposed to almost injuries that have been down, but we've had a few muscle injuries. Are we talking, you know, is it something that's creeping into the into the into the club? Are we back to maybe I, talking with this astrotuff or like I was actually I was actually going to bring this one up. Now, as soon as he goes down injured, three or four of the boys run to the bench. Now, I thought this was tactical. Um, I, I thought it was smart in some instances where, obviously, if a keeper goes down injured, unlike an outfield player, the outfield player has to come off the pitch. If a keeper goes down injured, you don't mm-hmm. have to... He doesn't have to leave the pitch. Um, I, so, look, I don't know if you... As soon as that happened, three or four of the players ran over to the sideline where Stevie was standing waiting. Now, I don't know if he's went down injured and then he's called the boys to come over or if it was premeditated or what, but like it, look, it gave Rovers the chance to go over as well. I've seen three or four of their players coming over as well. So, look, I think I think they, they might have used that as a tactic. I, mean, I could be just one and one as four here, but... Um, I've seen I've seen them I've seen that happening a couple of times before, and obviously if you don't play the same team every week, mm-hmm. they're not going to pick it up and say, "Oh, he's he's done that last week." Like, but I I sort of noticed that myself. I'm just going to going to say to either use if you had noticed it before and seen the players sprinting over to the sideline to get a bit of instruction. And look, that gave me a bit of hope to say, "Look, maybe we'll get we'll set up tactically. It'll be a better chance to to set ourselves up." You know, to then, you know, keep solid for the next ten, fifteen minutes, and then really push to try and try and get some uh, attacking plays in, in motion. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I, maybe I totally read that wrong. But it's just yeah, like, look, I mean, I don't think Nathan's had any sort of recurring thing, as far as I'm aware. Like, I mean, obviously he's gone down tonight, and you know he's sort of um. He's uh, he's needed a bit of attention, but I mean, like, uh, just to go, back to, to go back to the earlier point about about the pitch, like, I mean, like, it's not really 
everybody everybody's kind of been saying this you know i mean for quite some time obviously and we do at the risk of sound like a broken record i mean like it's kind of hard like when you look at the level of injuries we've gotten in the last couple of seasons last few seasons even it's kind of hard not to correlate that with the actual playing surface um and i mean like i don't know how often these um surfaces need to be replaced but you can clearly see um even from looking at it on television pictures that you know it's to, to say that the current ones run its course would probably be be an understatement like you know what i mean it's like it's it's in tatters like like um as is well. sorry now just to cut i didn't yeah, mean to cut off you it could go go there, yeah. but he did i know the dairy city have <laughs> i know the Derry city and the, the county council have already said that their 4g pitch is due for replacement next year now yeah. from my recollection and from hearing of other media sources that we're a year behind them in terms of we have laid their our pitch a year before them so in reality if their pitch is due for replacement next year, ours would due, be due for replacement this year. Now, um, just listening to LOI Weekly this week, and I and I was listening to Robbie Benson speaking about a particular injury. It seems to be the same type of injury that's necessary that has happened with the dog pairs before. That there seems to be an issue with pelvic injuries and that kind of you know those kind of muscular injuries. You only have to look at. Um, Daniel Kelly and Daniel Kelly and Mark Connolly up in Derry getting the same type of injury. It seems that there was an issue with hamstrings. It's it's becoming like look. We all know the financial benefits of having the four G pitch in Oriel Park in terms of the amount of football that's played. I know Mark Connolly spoke about it um, at the yeah Gavin it is. Um, but there is you know. Uh, it, there is a there is an argument starting to come through that maybe we need to start looking at the expiration of a grass pitch at Oriel Park because while I understand that we have ladies teams playing there and we have underage teams playing there, you know, but at what cost long term is this going to have on you know muscular and and injuries for our players, not just our senior players, but the whole way down. So. It might be something to explore. I don't know. I'm I'm not the owner, so I can't see how how much the feasibility would be that if we were to switch from our four, current four G pitch to a grass pitch, is there going to be a switch in drainage? Is there going to be a switch in in terms of undersurface? All those kind of things need to be taken into account. Um, but at this moment in time, I I, I do think that this four G pitch has run its course and it could lead to serious issues going forward. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, that's that's the point. Basically, I mean, like whatever about returning the grass or keeping, you know, plastic. I mean, it's 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 beside the point because the, the the bottom line is, regardless, one way or the other, the current one, the current four G pitch, hmm. you know, as you mentioned, Kieran, needs to be replaced. Like it's 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 an absolute yeah. bits, you know. It, it's and it is. It's 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 going to cause further injuries this season, next season, season after. I mean, like it it just you know it's. I'm not a huge fan of them anyway. I mean, like, obviously, yeah, obviously, we're all different. Yeah, no. As as a football, as a, someone who coaches you know? kids, like we we train. And look, at it's great to have a facility like the, the, the Dundalk Sports Centre because our pitches on yeah. the water at the minute. But I yeah. detest. I don't like to like for kids. I'm just not look. It's it's great as an as an option. You know, bad weather. Look, I get it. I get the 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 benefits of it. 
But for football, mm. like the, it's like a snooker table. The ball moves too quick. For, I just you got to be really you got to be really technically gifted to keep a ball at your feet on them at such a young age. I just I just yeah. Look at them, and maybe it's old school. Maybe I'm showing the age, but I think grass is the way to go. Like, but again, like here and you know, you'd said like, the expense is just like we don't. But then I don't know if it's any more expensive to to make a new one. You know, like, like guess what I'm saying. Like, like how much does it cost to actually put these in? Like, um, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't know now personally, but you know it's. Look, obviously the lads, the people, the guys around the club obviously have their own, you know, um, reasoning for continuing continuing with the um, artificial surface. So I suppose we'll just wait and see what happens. But I'd like to see them go back to grass. I just think it's causing it's causing more problems than it's probably worth at the moment. And the level of injuries that the team's getting um, this season, last season, the season before, I kind of think, I just think it's kind of, uh, I don't think it can be a coincidence, especially when they're similar injuries. Do you know what I mean? They're, as Kieran mentioned, mm-hmm. they're, they're muscular injuries and, you know injuries that you probably associate with with it. You know what I mean? I just think, yeah. Look, I I, I just think it's becoming an issue for us now, and you know, um, maybe, maybe something that needs to be looked at um in the near future. Yeah, I think. Yeah, just just an interesting fan of there. This, this I remember bringing this up in a private conversation before. You know, even for training on matches, should the youth system maybe come out and play? Like I don't know what way it works in Rovers. I know they've got the training grounds and they've they've got time, not to compare, but I don't know if the youth system plays out of there, if they all play the I'm not really sure, but there's 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 a facility, there's you know, there's there's land in town. I mean, like John's brought up a perfect they, I, I've been playing for years. The road yeah, okay, teams yeah. sorry, the youth uh, teams yeah. what I know playing Roadstone, I think it's only the uh senior men's and senior ladies playing Tala. Right, right. I, I, so I just think the rest play Roadstone. Yeah, as an option there in town, even for the youth, like you've Bellevue Park, you know, that's been used. Mm. It's, it's used as a schoolboys pitch, but no club plays out of it as such. You've also got, as John mentioned, and I, I've been very vocal about this pitch for years. The Dallas Isle field is one of the, I don't want to get too into it, but it, it's, it's, it could be a, it's a, like a hidden gem down there. The land in there is frightening. You know, mm. you've got three schools coming together. Look, it, it could be a conversation for another day, but I definitely think there's, there's something in it there, for, even just for clubs, for, you know, like you know, Dundalk Red Union have come on board this week with the girls set up and and got their jersey sponsor and stuff like that. But they don't want about this sustainability. You know, you gotta feed it from grassroots up. There's no point in taking there's no point in hand picking the best of the best in town, putting them up on a on a dodgy pitch up in Oreo Park and giving them injuries that they, you know they, they didn't they didn't buy into. You know, you need mm. you kind of need somewhere that, that grassroots to come from somewhere on you know, three G pitches are great, they have their place, I get it, but you know, you need to develop land in the area like there's not many if you come if you come halfway through the dock and you go north of the dock where Fatima would be or you know the castle of bells are based there's no facilities like unless you've got your own you have to go inside to a gym you know like a school gym there's no artificial grass unless you're a gala club you know it's very there's very little you know kind of facilities for kids for school for school boys so but look everybody's got their own pitch but i think there's, a, there's an opportunity there with this new sustainability that this patron that's coming up in oreo park to really have a go at it locally and look at look at some land and kind of develop it. I do know last season, um, just being involved with Glamour first team, mm. and the under, it could be the under fourteens, under under fifteens, the under uh, boys actually played there quite a bit for the yeah. home games. They might have played all the home games in Glamour, and look, they've, they've done a good, quite a good bit of work on the surface, like it's it. It's a good surface, especially coming into the next couple of months when the weather yeah. starts getting better and stuff like that. We played in it last night, obviously, but look, I'm sure 
I'm sure the local clubs around the town would be delighted to host a, a, a League of Ireland underage game involving the dock. I know um, last summer I went down and watched uh, Jason McConville's um, ladies team. They played against Shamrock Rovers in Mahablamore and um, grass pitch as well. So look, I, I think that could be something that gets, um, that gets the local clubs involved with the West Oriel Park as well, facilitating. Because there is there is some fantastic yeah. pictures like locally. Yeah, it, it builds good mm. relationships. Like you know, yeah. I know for years, uh, and it, look, I don't know if it still happens or not. But like Kenny, would bring his his team down to Clancy Park down the key as well, and they yeah. train down there on the regular. You know, little things like that building relationships. You know, the the youth the youth players get to play on grass as well. Um, and look, it, it's always great to play in Oriel if you're, I know, when, you know, when I was coming through the system and you were playing under 18s and you were playing uh, against Home Farm up in Oriel Park, like there was nothing, there was nothing like it, but yeah, yeah. Look, uh, if you're playing in the, in good pitches around town as well, and you know, I think that, that could be an avenue that, that they could, they could go down. I'm sure that they're exploring a lot of things, but. That's another one that, that could be uh, that could suit everyone involved. Yeah, I think with definitely the sponsors that are now coming on board, and you know, I think that, yeah, it's now even it's even the simple things. It's even great to see the younger, the, the schoolboy or not the schoolboys, the underage squads in Rory Park have jerseys that are sponsored. You know, like instead of yeah. having to get rid of the yeah. bet regal and the blank, I'm just hoping now. I seen a comment on Facebook or on, on Twitter last week when they were launched. I'm hoping to go on sale. I'm hoping they're able to get them into the shop and you can. You know the games mm. might get a bit of money out of their jails, even sold a little bit of something. Yeah, I know it all goes to the club to development, but you know, you'd like to they have that option of buying that particular jersey as well. So, hoping that's something yeah. for, 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 for someone to come because it means you've got that extra option of the girls. I know it's not a girls jersey as such, but you know, to have that wee bit of extra, it's almost like a unique jersey with a sponsor on it, something we haven't yeah. done before. So, it's, it's great to see because every club in the League of Ireland, Women's National League, is all sponsored by something, someone else, apart from the main, you know, the main senior team, it's separate. So, it, I think it's another <coughs> little. Little thing you can add to the to the development of what they're trying to do in Oil Park, I think. The Town End mark, Marketing Podcast. There you go. The, the t- Town End Youth Facility Grounds for Oil Park. We, we, we have to get our name on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, just got, got a good mention there from Frank. Uh, there you go. Like, there's another initiative. This is coming out in 1903. That's good, um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's something. Like, yeah. And these are all you little see, things. You see that, that, you see that with, with, with other clubs, and it's. Um, yeah, it's usually it's usually a very good thing, and I'm surprised maybe we haven't looked into that before. Like you know, there's so many great local schoolboy clubs, you know, playing in the league. Yeah, on the race clubs. Be, yeah, I know. You draw, know uh, draw are very good at it. They get a lot of teams in. Most, yeah. most not most, not every game, but most games they do. It's a long time since we've done it. You know, the the loud school girls league first start. We got a couple of kids up at half time. Yeah, day, but it's something. It's a bit of crack. It's pulling the goals for ten minutes. It's just that community. Like they're there running around behind the town end goals anyway. So they might, they might as well get them onto the field and get them, get them, on them the to run Get a real look, experience out of it, yeah. But also, it gives them an opportunity to play, yeah, in Oriel, and yeah. it gets their families in, it gets their, it gets their brother, their sister, or whoever get to, to get to watch. So that's more bums on seats. So yeah. you know, that's more ticket t- ticket sales and whatever. Like so, absolutely, I think it's, I think it's a great initiative that the that the nineteen oh three are looking to bring in. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of stuff like this had had sort of fallen away, had fallen away since COVID, and look, it's starting to come back around there so fair play to the lads for organizing it and everyone involved like but 
it's sort of been slow. It's been a slow comeback for things like that, hasn't it? Like really, yeah. You know, there has been a lot of stuff that it, that was good that sort of fell away. Like even open training sessions where the fans could come up and meet meet the players, and it's a it's a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere and stuff like that. You know, my kids used to love going up and getting yeah. their pictures taken. You know, and little things like that. Um, I know every manager's different, and maybe some men just don't like it, and whatever maybe. But like it, it, it certainly made the fans, uh, and especially the kids, like it. But even yeah, but even like somebody actually mentioned that a gentleman actually mentioned that at the night at the AGM. You know, even having like some sort of open day, just yeah. you know, where kids can get to meet the players on a set open day or something. Session. The club, yeah, the yeah, club can put aside a couple of, uh, or maybe do it on a train session, whatever it is. Because his argument at the time was, you know, the only opportunity the kids really have is just, you know, jetting onto the pitch at the end and yeah. maybe getting a selfie yeah. or something. And I, like, and I know they do great work. They've got the camps. I know they, 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 they do, yeah, they they do, camps yeah, and stuff, they but do. It, it's, it's yeah. an expensive, it's an expensive way of doing things. So open days, absolutely yeah. one training session. Free. A lot of clubs in England would do it, and yeah, I think that's mm. it's all that community, community based stuff. You know, that's that's yeah. that's what kids kids look at. Kids are very easily pleased when it comes to stuff like that. It's just you know getting them involved again. Park. It's hard for even watching the match when they go there. It's just a bit run without the mates. But that's look, it, yeah. it's that's what it's about, you know. Um, Absolutely. Just one more talking. Um, sorry, go on, Kieran. No, no, it was just that something that Vinnie Pratt brought in. Um, when I remember Vinnie Pratt having that open day, and you could see that you know the immediate connection between the the, the, the supporters and and the players but yeah. it was done in a much more relaxed environment in the sense that it wasn't post-match there wasn't that kind of you know yeah. pressure after a game or they weren't under pressure for uh for media how would you say for media requirements or commitments or anything like that so it meant that there was time for supporters and uh players to kind of forge relationships and that kind of you know, was a good springboard for that season. You know, we were penalty shootout away from winning a travel. So, like, I mean, um, the travel that will never happen now because the eSports Cup is gone. So, <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it is something to kind of to look into in the future that maybe something that the 1903 could liaise with the um, with the club at some stage that there could be a, a another open day like that, which I think would would definitely benefit the community. And and then you look at you know um, one thing that I've seen with like European clubs and stuff like that is it's it's it, obviously I'm not the marketing guru up in Oriel, but like you see that they get all the teams into the stand, they take a photograph of the entire team, like the first team, right down the whole lot. That would be another great initiative especially when you have as you said dole are one of the sponsors now and credit union like that's great exposure for them going forward so yeah it's just small steps that hopefully will uh will benefit the community and benefit undock yeah and that's it it's, it's it's just simple stuff and it's simple just progression all the time isn't it that's really what we're, we we always seem to end these podcasts on like a little bit of ethical and a little bit of you know what how many people have been set off in football matches but will, we'll get down to the important business of picking up pizza winners tonight now I, I picked out this description and I didn't clock the name. I don't know if it's a relation to yours, Mike, but I think this is the, probably the best description. We've got two newbies. It's it's, it's a rare oh, enough yeah. sore name. So we're going to go with this one. Subscription to tonight's match. We lost, but at least Rovers fans got soaked. So that's that's our pizza <laughs> winner for tonight. So we'll contact uh, Tony's pizza, get him a text. You've got all your pizza. That actually, Sean actually has a brother of mine. So yeah, I, I kind of thought, I think there's uh, no way. Everyone, free pizza for you, well. Everybody's going to say it's a fix now. 
you know. And then, of course, poor Donald Hanks would be mad if he bring with the wheel. You bring that up later on, he didn't win anything. He doesn't live in the same gap as me, so I'll get mine <laughs> on the pizza. So. <laughs> but before um, before we let you go, let's just on what we're talking about initiatives. Um, we've we've obviously got our t-shirts, you know, shelf Steph, Donald, and and Chris. We we've got our range of town and gear with play office and for this year we brought out we we've contacted well Donald actually contacted us Steph didn't he I think he, he was really keen to get it going again Donald yeah. Green this is and he runs a campaign runs like a it's a rural village in Uganda and it's it's Dundalk village that he's called and sustainability and getting people you know water simple things in life and so what we come up with is and on, on the back of himself now i'm basically I'm, I'm not as fancy as chris when i do this so basically this is just going to pop up straight over our faces so you'll probably hear us but won't see us but this has been launched um, yeah, the link, yeah the, the link will be up in the morning and you can order this this jersey this podcast uh, teacher from tomorrow on i'm not 100 on the price i think it's 29 euro don't please don't quote me on that if it's wrong but the, all profits from this will go to this setup that Donald has and um, we've got a, a we've spoken to Donald already pre-ordering so you've got about two weeks to order it so this is what's coming up now for the town end podcast it's sponsored by Dunlock Village we've also got Tony's Pizzeria on the sleeve on the left hand sleeve so this is our new jersey you know it's it's right up there with anything that we've done before so this is going to be launched you've got as the link says there on the packet it's got from uh, till the April 12th to order it and it'll be up it'll be run for about two weeks and, and then your five weeks delivery is normal so I think that's a really good initiative that we're trying to run I really appreciate Donald for getting involved with us again um, for, for 2023 and a gentleman to deal with and hopefully we get him on in the next couple of weeks to have a um, to have a little chat. We also may have news tomorrow on, uh, we, well obviously we always do our podcast live, but this is going to be a podcast that's live on, that's probably the best way of putting it. Um, so we may have a live in-person podcast coming up, that'll be announced tomorrow, um, so keep, stay tuned for that as well. Steph, Steph's going to be kept out of it. Uh, but I bet you we get a full house for that one. We get a name face of the paper. So that'll be coming tomorrow, folks. So um so look, lads, it's it's been a pleasure as always. Appreciate everybody for, for listening in, tuning in. Um thanks for everybody's comments. The playoff it for our parallel sponsor to Dundalk Village, our main sponsor, and obviously Tony's Pizzeria as well. If Sean Newbury contacts Tony in the next week or Vinny within the next week, he'll get his uh, pizza sent out to Nile. We I want to get you half the pizza, so you'll have to call out to the next podcast from the house. And we, we oh, get you eating pizza. <laughs> so look at that. Really like... appreciate it. I think we'll give Steph. We're going to give the last word to yourself because you are the expert when it comes to this. I think uh, Darren Meenan said, "No pass, no points." So that...